In an industry defined by what we create, it's the people who lead that make good things great. This is Get the Knack, a podcast by the National Academy of Construction, where we connect you with insights from experienced industry leaders to develop your skills and expertise and help you achieve your fullest career potential. Welcome to today's session of Get the Knack. My name is Anna Franz, and I'm your host for this session, where we will discuss making decisions and controlling change that is part of our quality management topic area. Today, you will learn about an important project control process for keeping track of project changes and decisions. You will learn about the importance of establishing a process to keep track of changes so that project risk and impacts can be quantified. I've been a member of the National Academy of Construction, NAC since 2018, and we are joined today with Ron May, a member since 2020, who will address the making decisions and controlling change in NAC's quality executive insight topic area. Ron is a retired executor from DTE Energy and serves with the Engineering Advisory Board for Oakland University. He is an executive in residence at the University of Michigan Ross Business School Center for Positive Leadership and author of Project Management for Experienced Project Managers. I'm very glad that you can join us today, Ron. So let's get started. Making decisions and controlling change sounds remarkably simple, but from your perspective, why is this a difficult process and why is the process critical to the project and team success? We have all been involved with complex projects and even simple projects where something has gone terribly wrong. And it would almost be invariable for us to say that whatever we have planned isn't exactly what happened. And so why does that happen? Uh, why does why does change occur uh, and surprise us so so thoroughly at times? And my theory on it is is centered around our belief that the original setup of the project uh, was sufficient at the time, and it will carry us through to the end of the project. So we create a budget, um, and as an owner, uh, that budget gets approved uh, with some scrutiny by uh, financial people, by senior executives, by maybe even the board of directors, because it's a uh, an important element to approving the project to begin with. What is also approved is an idea. The idea is that we're going to clean air. We're going to clean water. We're going to build a building uh, that's going to house certain elements. And that idea is will be transformed over time into reality. We also have people assigned to do this work that bring their own experience and along with experience, their own judgment and along with their own judgment, maybe some quirks that say, uh, I, I've done this before. This is the way it will be done. And in their head, they have that figured out. 
but it's really hard to explain to others. And so the assumptions that are being built into all of those base documents, uh, schedules, uh, will we pour concrete uh, in the winter? Uh, will we have uh, regulation requirements that will show up that we will uh, accommodate? Uh, do we have uh, overtime built in? Um, is this a workforce that is unionized? Is it a workforce that is skilled? Uh, are we having apprentices on our, our project? And all of those things that we think about really early on, including maybe an idea of what you're going to buy, but you don't have it all figured out. You just don't. And so at the very beginning of the project, that baseline gets put in place and we tend to cement it in our minds. We tend to say, that's it. Well, the moment you have that all in place and the next day, it's not the plan. Something's changed already and things have occurred already. And so what about that scenario starts to feel like you're under control? And most of us would start to say, I'm a little bit out of control. And perhaps you've built into your plan a risk register and some mitigation plans built around these changes so that you also feel some comfort. Maybe you have contingency built into your, your schedule uh, and maybe contingency built into the budget, or perhaps maybe there's a management reserve held off to the side that can be applied to this project. But there's no real method to, to have the boots on the ground, the engineer, uh, the engineer that's figuring this out, the procurement person that has uh, made a contract or, or perhaps purchased the uh, technical equipment for a project. And really all of that stuff is coming together. And how in the world do you figure out how to control that? And that it's really in bounds. And most of us know that accounting is simply that, that, you're, that you've taken all of your decisions, you've, you've uh, turned them into dollars and cents, you add it up at the end of the month, and then you start to apply maybe earned value. And you're saying, okay, I'm five, six weeks since that actual event occurred, since I actually procured something, and I'm out of control. I'm, I'm over budget. And we basically start start to feel like this project had a pretty good baseline and I really believed it. And then maybe two, three months in, you're already starting to see slippages and you're starting to see uh, things that are happening that are not completely within your grasp. And then late, later, when the accounting shows up and the schedules show up and you're behind, what in the world do you do about it? That's the background around controlling change, that there's a way to do this that helps the whole process such that you're not waiting till something has already taken effect, been built into the, the mechanisms, and you're out of control. And what I uh, would suggest, first of all, is that you have a living baseline of documents such that when change occurs, the documents are changed. And you go, well, when do I accept the change that has occurred? 
And the idea is to identify the change, whether it's in requirements, in schedule, budget, quality changes, specifications. When a change occurs, you have a process, I'll call it a change review process, where you identify the change and you put limits on how small that needs to be so that you feel like you're under control. And I would suggest that if you're practicing this for the first time, you make it a little bit harder uh, than easier. So it's a smaller change you're going to review. And essentially, the idea would be that if there's a change in schedule, and this is the iron triangle of scope, schedule, and budget, that if there's a change in scope, that the budget is going to change and the schedule may be impacted. And the idea would be to identify the change in in terms of those elements at a pretty small level and say, do you accept the change? And the, the, the leadership in the, in the uh, project would review that change and say, I do accept it. And the money for this is coming out of here. Sometimes scope is reduced and therefore there's extra budget, not very often, but let's say. And then you would say that change has occurred and I'm taking that budget and I'm putting it into contingency as an example. So the idea would be to take every change as it comes and review it cognitively and with an eye towards managing the change, not just accepting it. And if it looks like it's a schedule change and you're approving overtime, that would be a change that you would actually agree to do. So the change itself is a decision as opposed to in hindsight, it's an accepted, and now you're looking for mitigation or reduction or something else in another area of the project, I'm saying do it as you go. How does it link? The risk register links to it. You get past a certain risk uh, and it's no longer uh, going to occur. You can take the dollars you may have had for that risk in the budget and move that to contingency or to another element. So you're constantly managing the change as it goes. And this is another way that you preempt a closeout issue because you've already addressed it as you go. And so the the real uh, secret in in terms of this whole process is dedicating yourself to to the process of I'm going to stay with the changes as they're occurring, as opposed to taking them, having them stack up and and exploring them maybe at a monthly meeting, or perhaps when the invoices come in and and at at the end of a closeout uh, period, you're looking at them and realizing you're over budget or the costs are are changing. Uh, That a change is driven even in engineering, where engineering is coming in to say the, the original documents said this, and now we're going to make it that. Or the supply chain said the original idea was to buy a conveyor. Now we're going to have an an elevator. And the whole thing uh, has changed a bit, but we know the differences in cost. And we're agreeing and we're making that change cognitively, not um, after the fact when you don't have a choice. 
So that's the basic principle associated with this. And it just works. It's not, you have to dedicate yourself to it. You got to make it part of the mechanism. Uh, something that's planful, like over the course of a week is easy. Something that's emergent, you do it in real time, uh, uh, maybe on a, a phone call or a, or a Zoom call so that you, everyone involved can can hear what's going on. I call it a change review board. It's the leadership of the project that's on that board uh, contributing and uh, decisions are made, uh, documented. And when they are documented, the schedule can move out two weeks. The budget can change a little bit because you know where it, it is all arising. So that's that's the overview. And I think, um, I think it's pretty difficult because you gotta dedicate yourself to the fact that this is really what I'm going to do. And I'm going not going to be a bit cavalier and, and let things kind of go. It's, it's very regimented and very um, uh, methodical. And if there are no changes in a certain week that rise to this, the threshold, uh, you are lucky. You can just skip the meeting and, and, uh, and uh, uh, move on. I really like the way that you talked about the concept of change, that it's a, it's a combination of both known and unknown variables, and that the project manager really has to be in the center um, sort of like the, an orchestra, um, you know, directing an orchestra, that lots of things are happening and you have to be in touch. You have to be cognizant of, of the impacts of the project in a lot of different ways. And I like, I really like what you said about uh, not the change review board is not just a monthly meeting it's something that may have to happen 10 times a day if, if necessary. I mean, it's, it's, this is a very dynamic process. And I guess the challenge comes in how quickly you can make decisions or whether planning for what you can make decisions about immediately or what the process for making decisions would be in the future is a, is a major risk, right? Um, is that the time just sort of, being able to know what the parts are, where they're moving, and what time you have to make things um, happen. It's like playing chess on three levels. <laughs> I think that's true. And, and honestly, the project team gets really good at describing the problem, providing solutions, and there may be two or three different pathways, and the outcomes of those solutions. So you got to know kind of what they might cost or what they are going to do to the impact of the, of the uh, project. As the team matures, they get really, really good at those um, scenario building. And decision-making isn't consensus. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there may be two really good uh, uh, solutions and the hierarchy of the project, let's say the project managers at the top, if, if, if all else fails, he'll, he'll make the choice. She'll make the choice and uh, choose uh, the pathway that they're going to go down. Uh, knowing full well, there was a full hearing. There was a full display of all of the data. Uh, and then it's documented. So it's a documented decision right there on the spot where if somebody says later on, uh, why did we go down that pathway? It's, it's shown. Here were the choices. Here's, here's the decision that was made. 
Now, if it's a decision that's a little bit out, outside of the project manager's ability, in other words, it's a, an added cost, there is no ability within the project to handle, and the management reserve is held at the financial controller's organization, let's say, then all of a sudden, uh, you might have a presentation outside of the control control board, but it's the same people, you know, you know, presenting and developing that uh, such that the broader uh, group uh, can make the decision. What I like about it is that it's transparent. I like the speed um, of the problems being uh, at least made clear to everyone. Surprises are minimized. And we all know that a, a difficulty presented really early on is one that's the cheapest choice. So let's say it's a problem with um, uh, with a procurement and we just let it go. And all of a sudden the procurement shows up, the item shows up and it's the wrong foundation. Where early on we could have said we're changing to a different pump and the foundation wouldn't be have built been built wrong. But later on, you have a compounding problem. And so it's a little, it's a little like that more, the more early, the, the sooner you know of a problem, the more transparent it is, the more involvement you have from the various parties, uh, it's the cheapest. And so that's the uh, goal uh, of this is to have really good decisions in a timely manner. Well, this has really been fabulous. This this requires a certain um, rigor and um, you know structure to how how this gets accomplished. And what do you think? Wh- why do you think that uh, sometimes project managers uh, resist this kind of um, activity? Or this approach, I think you hit it on the head. The rigor is hard, uh, so you gotta you gotta pay attention and be there. Um, I also think that for most of us who have not utilized such a technique, uh, we're not used to it. Um, no one wants to be kind of held accountable in such a strong way uh, on a routine basis. And we, you know, I've done projects for many, many years. Why would I? Why would I have to do this? The other way seems to work. But we also know that the truisms always show up uh, where uh, the problems are late, the surprises are many, the the uh, budgets overrun, uh, we didn't get done on time. Um, and I think that that the idea of doing it more or less by experience and word of mouth and less process and less rigor um, really uh, lends itself to uh, something that feels a little like I can just get it done and, you know, I might get lucky and, you know, things will just happen. The more of this rigorous process, none of that's going to occur, but you're expending all that time and energy in the process as opposed to later on working on the process of, of failure and which way would you rather be? And I think for a lot of people, um, the, the, the idea of working on the process in failure tends to be the way we were brought up and people expect it. And so that's okay. But doing it one bite at a time early on with never having that final, you know, aha failure, um, doesn't feel as, 
um, comfortable and it doesn't, it feels like I'm, you know, really spending a lot of time gyrating paper and ideas and little things, uh, but you avoid, you know, the big one, you avoid the $200,000 mistake, um, because you've, you've done it a little bit as you go. And so it's always, it's always a little better to do it earlier, but I think that's the real, the real rub. Well, I hope that young professionals listening to the podcast today really take that executive insight to heart because anyone showing up in today's world that can add this type of uh, rigor to a process to, our, to a, a project um, I think will just be a real fine a- absolutely exceptional and someone that really contributes and is seen as someone who contributes to success but and I I can also imagine that um, a young professional might, show up on a project and suggest these ideas and get some pushback. And so I think, I think you, you have to just uh, find a way to um, explain as you have explained the importance of doing things as you go and keeping on top of it. So I just really appreciate uh, that those comments. So do you have any last insights that you would like to share? I mean, the last one that you just shared was so, phenomenal that I'm not sure you, I'm not sure anyone can top it, but if you can, we're all ears. I will just add this. Uh, first of all, thank you for your comments. Uh, and I really, uh, appreciate that. And I really think that the young professional that comes to a, a, a job site with something like this in mind will be, uh, uh, accepted very well by the more senior leadership and not accepted as much by their, by the more, uh, the guys working on the, uh, you know, on the ground or the engineer working on, on the, the drawings. But um, I, I think it's totally worth the effort. I will say this, the base of all of this is to keep your base documents up. So if you think about how to do it, this is the way. Uh, it's not about uh, keeping your base documents up after the fact, this is one bite at a time where the budget will change as you go. It'll change the schedule as you go. And you don't have to wait until the quarterly updates and in the reports that they come out uh, at the end of the month on uh, uh, earned value. Those things will all be figured out as you go. So I would just say, keep your base documents up and this is a way to do it. Ron, thank you so much for joining us today and providing your insights regarding making decisions and controlling change. Thank you for turning into this episode on making decisions and controlling change. Sharing the wisdom and the experience of our NAC members is our way of continuing to improve the industry. Get the NAC will be back with more content on leadership, project management, and many other design and construction executive insights. Please provide feedback on this session at getthenack at naocon.org. Also, let us know if there are topics that may be of interest to our industry. Thank you for tuning in to Get the Knack, because the construction industry needs people like you, leaders and innovators, to build our future.